Okay. Sorry. Now that we know when we're going back to Missouri, we will get back to what we're just talking about. No, I think there has to be that that sense that says, when I finally get to that point that says, I can't fix me. I was never expected to fix me. And I'm pretty broken because I'm fallen. I'm human. And I have to surrender. So I guess my question is, what does that look like? Well, I'm not answering that question, but kind of take off from her. And, and it's, not, it's not a singular event. You, you need Part of it's a process. You need to surrender every day, every minute, yep, sometimes yep, every yep. second of the day, all the time. And one thing that I have found is if you, if you don't choose to surrender, you'll be compelled to surrender. Yeah. And it's not as a punishment, because, but it's because of the choices that you make, the direction that you, you take your life, as opposed to the direction the Lord has you take your life. And you're going to run into things that will compel you to surrender. Isn't it fascinating? You're right. We can be compelled to surrender, but, but we all know people that have been compelled to surrender and still will not. They've given every opportunity to turn their life around, and they keep fighting against it. And they become more entrenched and stubborn and hard-hearted. I will fight off every attempt. You know, we want to come rescue you. No, don't. I'm not answering the door. Go away. Kind of thing. And so we can fight it. And the Lord will try, uh, as George McDonald says, the Lord will try a million times if it will work just once. We just keep trying and keep trying and give us every opportunity to surrender. But we got to do it. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the things was, basic things was just fear. We're afraid of what it might look like to surrender. Yeah. We're afraid of what it will affect us and what it requires of us and how much it will hurt in the process. We've learned that trials are for a benefit. Well, a lot of times we don't want to have to go to benefit. Go back to thinking about those times when 
you know, something tugged at your heart and you went down and you, you know. Yeah, made that commitment and everybody saw you make that commitment. But it stops at that point that there is something that doesn't finish it. Yeah. And it was not until I moved into, until I found this church to where that I had the actual rituals of. To complete it. To complete it. That's a good point. See, I think there's a, that's a beautiful point. There is a sense in, in anybody in any church, one of the wonders of, a, of an altar call is the fact that I feel this tugging to change and to be different and I'm going to come down the aisle and accept Jesus because I, I want to be there. Beautiful point. That, that draw, that need is inside us and then we're going to get there and then we're not quite sure. Now you accepted Jesus, now you're different. And, and, and where do you go from here? Yeah. I think so. And, and you're right. And if you're, this is what she's saying is that sometimes there's a point where we're aware we don't want to look a certain way so we're beyond feeling, don't care. But isn't it interesting that I find that those times when I am more, most surrendered, I also don't care how I look. I just simply want to feel better. I just simply are going to be drawn. And somewhere in there when we're still struggling is when we're more worried about appearance and pride and, and, and all of that. And there's that point where you say, I just want to be I just need to be different. Yeah. Well, I'm starting to learn that there's a part of the atonement, you know, that that takes over, but there's also a part of the atonement that helps you when you just want to be better. Yeah. Gives you that strength to to surrender, which doesn't logically make sense, but it's you know it's that more I believe helped out my own help belief. helped out my own belief. I want to be better, but I just don't even know where to start right now. Okay, um, before I get here, let, let, let me just, uh, let me suggest something. Uh, I've, during the, the semester, from time to time, I have been known to quote C.S. Lewis. <laughs> Remember that C.S. Lewis's uh, contemporary was J.R.R. Tolkien. Uh, Tolkien was always a little bit, at times, uh, perturbed with C.S. Lewis's writings because he felt like C.S. Lewis was a little bit over the top with, with the Christianity message. But Tolkien himself was very upfront about wanting to make sure that his Christian beliefs permeated his writings. He just didn't think it should be as overt as it was with, with uh, C.S. Lewis. Uh, so it's there and it's powerful and, and I wanted to share uh, a clip from, from the Lord of the Rings movie about conversion and watch how it worked and watch what Tolkien had in mind. And, and this is, this is that, that great scene we get with uh, King Theoden of uh, Rohan. Okay? And he's got, and, and over time, he's had this advisor by the name of Wormtongue who is just kind of in his ear, chirping all the time and drawing him. And over time, he goes from kind of being a very virile king 
to kind of older and weasened as, as worm tongue is always whispering in his ear, that's, you're, you're, that's too much. You're kind of weak. And that isn't right. And that is, that's kind of mean. He just continues to suck the strength out of him. And you watch uh, what it takes to kind of pull him out of this loop. Okay, so wanted to share this one with you.
Okay. What jumps out at you? Because there are some beautiful little elements that Tolkien wove into this little conversion scene. What jumps out? That the Lord has to do it sometimes. And he has to actually draw Draw that poison out. Yeah, I like that part. I will draw you with poison from a well, kind of, or poison from a wound. Yeah. What's that? Isn't that true? Isn't that true? He says, my, my dreams have been dark as late. You know, in other words, it had been a gradual process that had slowly fallen into that and he wasn't even aware. And, and those around him knew, could see it, could see the effect, but he wasn't hearing it. That he just kind of got himself into that state and there was no way to get himself out of it. Okay? Isn't that great? Yeah, you just watch it soften and and begin to fill with color. And yeah. And he starts to breathe in, you know, breathe in the, the air of freedom because you've been trapped. Yeah. Yeah, you get that cloudy eyes look. And also the sort of truth, if you hold your old sword, yes. you'll remember it better. So get back into service. Tolkien knew exactly what he was doing. Now, the other thing that I thought, the very last thing that uh, Theoden says before uh, Gandalf was able to cast him out was, Gondor is mine. Rohan is mine. In other words, I control this. It belongs to me. He's mine. These people are mine. And that's to be cast out. You have no power here. And then the light. Yeah. No, no, this is Jesus Christ telling you. Yeah, well, and I don't think it's an accident that uh, I think Peter Jackson did a good job of the filming coming around behind Gandalf. So you're not seeing Gandalf, you're just seeing this white figure that, that is, is doing this. See, beautiful, beautifully symbolic in the way that, it, that they do it. Okay. And when I look at that, that is surrender and conversion. Is it not? Like we're going to have, we need a power greater than ours to pull, but we, our eyes have become clouded. We've been stuck in this place. And sometimes it takes something like that to, to draw us out. Okay? And that's hard. That's hard, especially if we don't think we need saving. Mm-hmm. Ellen, you're going to knock on some doors. People, you're going out in two weeks. Uh, and, and a lot of those people you're going to knock on, they don't need saving, they're fine. I have my church, I have my religion, you're kind of obnoxious knocking on my door. <laughs> I have something that you need. No, I don't need that. I'm okay. Okay? Now, along with that, then let's turn to let's turn back to section 76. I wanted to go back and revisit something just because I believe it's part of the theme of, of what has been this entire semester. You watch this process of excitement getting out to Missouri and then slowly watching the people not able to do it. And the question is why weren't they able to, to pull off what the Lord had in mind? So let's let's look at something that we've looked at before. Because I was thinking about it through, what was it that I wanted us to be able to retain 
what was this semester about? Um, and it is Section 76, remember the vision. There are two major visions that we talk about. Well, there's, a, there's about to be a third vision. So far in the history of Joseph Smith, we've got the first vision, which is in the grove. Then there is the vision. And that's the way the saints knew it for years and years. With the vision, section 76 of, of the glories. Uh, and we saw 92, we saw the glory of the celestial, which excels in all things where God even Father reigns upon His throne. Before whose throne all things bow in humble reverence. Give Him glory forever and ever. And then we get this interesting phrase here. In 94. They who dwell in His presence are the church of the firstborn. Meaning, who's the firstborn? Christ. So this is the church of the firstborn. In the celestial kingdom, you become a member of an additional church. The church of the firstborn. You are His. He has paid for you with His blood. That's why we are called a peculiar people. Peculiar meaning bought and paid for. Or peculiar to Him. He owns us. He paid the price. We're His. And this particular group, the church of the firstborn... And by the way, I, am, I, I continue to be amazed, and I mentioned this before, some of the wonderful single sisters that I continue to talk to that just say, well, I'm going to be in the bottom part of the celestial kingdom. You know, I will get to be a guardian angel or ministering angel and somehow think because marriage hasn't happened here, it will continue on there. I'm sad. Because I keep having to say in my office over and over, you have access to every blessing of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and celestial marriage. Nothing has been fulfilled. I was always told that dating celestial marriage was like Yeah, good point. So no, yeah. 
Okay, now, church of the firstborn. But there is a peculiar trait that goes with the church of the firstborn. Look at the next line. What is peculiar about this group in the celestial kingdom that maybe separates them from so many people uh, in life now? And they see as what? They are seen. And know as they are known. That is amazing. And it fits with, with a, a thing that we've talked about before. Um, and I, and I've, I've spoken on it a number of places because this is one of my favorite quotes or favorite scriptures. In 1 Corinthians 13, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. For now, and he had become that, gained that understanding, we see through a glass darkly. We've talked in other places that this glass is actually a mirror. We see into a mirror darkly. We don't see ourselves very well. We have worm tongue in our ear that is just constantly nipping at us and saying that we're not very smart or we're not very spiritual or somebody else is more talented than we are or that we're kind of fat and frumpy and nobody loves us and whatever it is that he's nipping at us. And we start believing that. We slowly get more wizened and, and, and glaze over <coughs> And then we look in a mirror and somebody says, who are you? And you go, well, I know who I am. We get, we get this dumb little explanation. But he says, when I was a child, I thought as a child. And I thought childish things. But there will come a day, and this is it, when I am when converted, when I am changed, when the Lord has kind of cast out the word time in me. Then I see into a mirror clearly instead of darkly. And I see who I really am. And the fascinating part, the, the corollary to this is, is found in, there it is, Second uh, Corinthians 3. And he says, look at verse 18. But we, all, but we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord. In other words, when we then have our eyes opened and we look into the mirror, what do we see? We see us, but we also see the Savior because His image is engraved on our countenance. Alpha 5. Suddenly we see who we really are and that's who the church of the firstborn is. They see as they are seen. We finally see us as God sees us. In all of our power and all of our strength because we surrendered and let Him take over. And again, when we're looking in the mirror, we see us, but we also see Him. We're Him. We're, we become like Him. How great, what a great, wonderful, powerful blessing. And so and and so that's why that's why I love that quote from Brigham Young. 
I wish the people would realize that they walk, live, and abide in the presence of the Almighty. The faithful have eyes to see as they are seen, and ye shall behold that you are in the midst of eternity and in the presence of holy beings, and be enabled ere long to enjoy their society and presence. You are greatly blessed. You are seen by those on the other side who, who surround you constantly. But when we're wizened and glazed over, we don't see them. That's why I thought it was remarkable when we had the, uh, the uh, one of the main guys from Family Search that was here. You know, when he talked about the fact that he no longer has faith in the spirit world. And he has perfect knowledge. It's happened so often that he no longer has faith. He knows for sure. But we have that ability. That's who we have. Comments on that? That makes sense? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, well, let me... If, if That was basically kind of what I had uh, for the day. That is, that's kind of our message to go into the holidays. Figure out who you are. Let the, let the Savior change you. Uh, now, what I want to do uh, to, to, to finish is to... Uh, I have kind of a uh, little tradition. There is a... Uh, uh, video I like to play every Christmas, uh, so I'm going to plug that on you guys. Uh, and this is a, uh, and then uh, when we finish, then we can uh, have blessing on the uh, food. Go enjoy the, our brunch. Yeah. Can I share one thing? Please. Probably I should share this. Um, so we're talking about surrendering and changing. With all, a lot of times we're um, afraid of what that looks like. And I have an experience for, if you will, I, I get pictures in my head, and like they're like metaphors. And I happen to have one that kind of related to this. And one of them was um, where, you know, there's a garden and there's flowers. And, for example, if you had a favorite flower and you, and you were that flower, that as a gardener, you know, sometimes has to prune you, has to you know, fertilize you, has to do several things. And when you grow and you bloom, you bloom. Like, let's say it was a rose. You would, when you grow up, you're still a rose. You would never turn into a carnation. You would never mm. turn into a forget-me-not. You would never turn into another flower. You are still who you are meant to be. You're still that flower. You just grow and you blossom and bloom more beautifully as you let the garden take over and do what they need to do to be able to achieve that and not only that, a lot of times when it's a small seed or just a, a few leaves coming up, you have no idea what it's going to be. But if you let the gardener take over, that, that, that's a beautiful point. We think we know what it is, but, but we don't know. Okay, uh, this is um, th- this is a little bit dated as you look at the, the hairdo, but this is the BYU Combined Choirs and a very young Mac Wilberg who is not yet... Uh, gone to the Tabernacle Choir. But th- this is where this song debuted, uh, his version of it.
<laughs> Go away. Thanks for the semester. Thanks for being here. Uh, I hope that you have a uh, wonderful <coughs> Christmas season and get a chance to kind of hug family a little closer and draw close to one another. Uh, I look forward to uh, seeing you back on the 14th of January. I bear you my testimony that these things are true and that the Lord has in mind to make us different than we are if we'll just let Him do it. Let Him take over. And I leave that with you in Jesus' name. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you that somebody can listen to Brother Hinkley and hear his message for all of us. And I pray for the Holy Spirit and my spirit.